0: Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work Explore options from indie to traditional publishing and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing.
1: Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor, and this being the Christmas season, I thought it would be great to delve into those feel good movies and books that a lot of us really love to watch. I know myself and my two girls, well, we watch so many of them over the Christmas season and they always bring a smile to our faces and joy to our hearts. So my guest today is someone who has written several of these films and books and audiobooks. and I can't wait to share her stories with you. And I'm going to welcome her to the show Please welcome me uh, in inviting Karen Shaler to Let's Get Writing. Come on, Karen. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Oh, you know, it was was a search. I decided Mm -hmm. I love watching these films. I want to know more about how they're made and the people who write them. And I searched and your name came up. I wrote to you and you replied and I went, it's meant to be. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I love, I love what you're doing with your show and how you're kind of diving behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Because so many people do love these Christmas movies and, and the books and the audio, but everybody has so many questions about, well, how do you do that? Or where do you get your ideas? So I'm here for you
1: today. <laughs> okay. Well, actually you started your career in serious journalism. Um, and how did you end up moving into this area? I did. You know, I started as what we call like a hard news reporter. I
2: was embedded as a war correspondent in Bosnia and in Afghanistan. And so, you know, the kind of stories I did every day were some of the most difficult stories I ever had to tell. And I wanted to do a switch up. I wanted to start telling stories that were inspiring and empowering And so I first left TV journalism and did a travel show, still journalism, but not hard news. And it's called Travel Therapy, where I've traveled around the world, 68 countries, telling stories that inspire and empower people. Well, I was doing that and I had to have a minor surgery and I couldn't travel for a couple of weeks. It was right at the holidays. And so I'd always watch those Hallmark Christmas movies and those holiday movies kind of as my therapy as well. And so I thought, you know what, it's my chance to watch them and I want to write one. i would always wanted to write one, Catherine. So I studied them like you would study, you know, a journalist Mm -hmm. would. And I saw, oh, okay, the first commercial breaks in 18 minutes. The near miss kiss happens here. The boy and girl have to meet in the first 10 minutes. And I studied it and I wrote a spec script. And next thing you know, um, my very first movie that came out was a Netflix hit, A Christmas Prince. And the reason that one blew up is because Mm -hmm. Netflix had never done their own original Christmas programming before so this was a really big deal and a lot of people that watched it, especially Netflix audience at the time were like what is this cheesy kind of super sweet because they didn't know the Hallmark type movies and here this was on Netflix and because of that a very young generation. My little fans are everywhere from eight years old because I write clean, feel good, uplifting content Mm -hmm. all the way to, you know, I had a 90 year old come to one of my events that I did. So I think it just, when you talk about Christmas and joy, it just bridges all of the age gaps. And I I do really pull from my experience as a journalist. Think about the Christmas Prince was about a reporter going undercover to, to get the Playboy Prince. So I always draw from personal experience. It's a long journey, but I feel like it's exactly where I'm meant to be.
1: You know, and I did see that movie, and now that you mentioned it, I believe it was last year that I saw it, and uh, here I am talking to you, (laughs) it's just a wonderful thing, but when you say you draw from your own experience, I think to some degree in writing, we all tap into this, I've been there, I've felt this, or I've learned that, and do you find that that happens a lot in what you do? Absolutely. I know when I was a lot younger, very little growing up, my mom
2: and grandma read a book every day and I thought I wanted to be a novelist. And and then I thought about it. It was kind of from the girl from nothing to nowhere. You know, nothing really happened in my life. And I thought, you know, I was a kid and I thought, I got to see the world. I need stories to tell, right? Mm -hmm. How am I going to write these stories? And it's kind of what I did. That's why I wanted to be a journalist. That's why I wanted to travel. And all of the people I've met, and the places I've been inspire my stories. I mean, my latest novel that we're going to talk about, Love Always Christmas, the cover is actually a real live place that you can go. And I'll I'll save that until we get there. But it's a place in Canada that's very close Mm -hmm. to my heart. And again, I wouldn't have thought of that if I hadn't experienced it and gone to this location so I think you know a lot of times they will say when you're writing um, if you're someone that wants to write your main character sometimes doesn't have enough flaws or you don't get them in enough trouble Mm. and they say it's because somewhere deep down in you even if you're writing a male character or a pet I mean it could be anything there's a lot of you in that main character whether you know Mm. it or not and that's why you don't want to blow up your character because you're trying to protect yourself because in movies Yeah, in movies, that's the number one note you get. You said, somebody wants something. There has to be a thousand things that get in the way and just keep torturing them. I mean, it sounds so mean. And I remember going, but I'm writing romantic comedies and sweet stories. They're like, look at Bambi you know, you know, look at, look at Finding Nemo. There was trauma.
1: I'm like, oh my gosh, they're right. <laughs> so I know, I know I've always heard when you've done something bad to your character, it's not bad enough. Raise the yes. bar. and you've rough stakes. Yes. It's hard to do when you're invested in a character mm-hmm. in a book. And I found the same thing with my book with Misty. I was like, oh, but I don't want to do that to her, but you have to, <laughs> you have to, because you know what we all we don't want to show a one-dimensional part of ourselves. It's like
2: what I say a lot of times on social media. It's a very one-dimensional what we want the world to see. And yes. you know this perfect lifestyle, especially to the young kids out there, that is not their everyday life, you know? And so I think it's important that we're real and we tell real stories and kind of show who we are so people can relate to us. I mean, we all have problems. I write these beautiful Christmas movies and people have assumed in interviews, I must have had this magical life to write these beautiful, epic Christmas stories. And, you know, no, honestly, no. I mean, I came from a child of divorce. My parents got divorced very young. There's a single mom and just me, only child. We didn't have a lot of money. I remember one time I'd cut down a branch of a tree to do Charlie Brown Christmas tree. The things I write about were the Christmases I dreamed about, not the Christmases I had. And so I want people to know that, you know, no matter what your background and who you are, where you're from, you can write somebody's story you can live in an imaginary world and write your own harry potter story anything's possible you know and that's one of the messages i like to give i come on here and chat because i didn't have an agent i didn't have a manager i didn't know anybody in hollywood you know and
1: i still Mm -hmm. was able to do my passion well the passion is coming through for sure i want to just show everyone that book love always oh yes I'm so so excited.
2: If anyone knows
1: where this is, we will have to tell them about
2: it. I know. So I'm dying to tell the story. This is so special to me. I'm going to get a little close up there. there. And there's my little dog, Rudolph. He's so cute. So this little house is actually in Fredericton, Canada. And it is called the Quartermain B&B. And Deborah Quartermain is the lovely hostess. And I went here doing a travel therapy TV segment. And... There was a woman in fantastic, because first of all, New Brunswick, I love so much. Mm -hmm. And Heather Basse, she was the head of tourism. She took me there for the first time and we stayed there and it was just absolutely magical. And whenever we do something in the area, we would stay here. And I said, doesn't this just look like a Hallmark movie? I mean, doesn't it look like a Christmas movie? I remember telling the designer, more lights, more lights. And so this year, um, you know, Heather, it was battling an illness. And I wanted to honor her. She is dedicated. This book is dedicated to her. And sorry, it gets me a little emotional. (laughs) But um, it's to remember her and to let everybody know that there are beautiful places in this world that you can go. And so this is the first time um, on my cover that I picked a place that i have been to, except Finding Christmas was a gazebo that was in Leavenworth, Washington, where a, a little Christmas town where I grew up. But that's why my covers are immersive. They're, they're places. I hope when you see the door that you want to walk through Christmas camp is this beautiful red door and there's always a puppy, you know, a a dog on them because I think, um, again, kind of wishful thinking. I had a dog when I was little, but Mm -hmm. I've lived in 16 States and travel, so I don't have one now, but I love them. So therefore I put them on all my books. (laughs) That's the great thing you guys about being a creative and writing. I just get to make up and write about the world that I want,
1: (laughs) which is rather fun and rather nice. And the interesting thing is, I know we're talking about the, the the writing of the movies and so on, but you've been to Newfoundland. I, I thought no, oh everyone goodness. has been here. As a matter of fact, I love Newfoundland. I have been all over, and
2: I have been yeah. to Newfoundland and Labrador. So I've also been to Labrador and that was with my travel therapy trips. That's one of my websites, traveltherapytrips.com. And tourism was so generous to bring me there. And I've been, I think, three times. And when Far and Away came out, I actually did a story in Gander where I got to go to Gander, and I got to meet the people that were involved in that story. And then when it premiered on Broadway in New York, I was invited with the people of Newfoundland to see that for the first time. So Newfoundland has my heart. And I always I always would say it was Newfoundland like Disneyland. You know, that's how they, the tourism people, because I talk fast, and some people would get mad that I wasn't saying it correctly. But I do know how to say it. It's Newfoundland. Okay.
1: Newfoundland Newfoundland, but you know if I say
2: it fast like Newfoundland they think I'm saying Lund and then I get in big trouble so well if
1: you talk fast you're gonna fit in great around here because (laughs) we're all able to talk very fast if you put us all in one room and we're having a party try keep up yes I know and you know what I, I think I was most
2: inspired of the people of Newfoundland was because of the hardships, the story of the cod, you know, I, when I first mm-hmm. started researching and how they used to say you could put a boat, you could drive a boat and the cod would jump in. They were so plentiful. And then when the cod didn't, you know, you couldn't have cod and how people, some, so many people I met in tourism that had boats that would take you out to see the, you know, the pellet, um, the, the puffins, right? The little puffins yeah, so or, the, or the whales, the little minkies, you know, they were all people that were cod fishermen or fishermen. And because of the industry and how the hardship. They all were able to shift and do something new. And every Newfoundlander I met had two or three projects going. They had their full-time job, but then they also had their passion projects and some of the most hardworking people. And I feel like that's me too, that I came from similar stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like we get it done. We, we dig in and it's about community. And I think that's what my stories are about. You know, I mean, I just think it's so important, but you have such a magical place. One of my favorite trips was to see the icebergs. I got oh. to go and see the ice. Oh, my goodness. I just, that was magic to me. Oh, so, I
1: could show you some beautiful pictures. We've gone out in our own boat uh, in the vicinity of the birds and stunning pictures. I'll share them with you. If I had one right now to pop up, I would. But, oh, my goodness. But I just, I
2: just, I, I even have a Nexus card. I feel like I'm Canadian. Now, I grew up in Washington <laughs> State, I'm literally near the border you know the granite that's the other side of your country but you know being able to go to vancouver and when my lifetime movie that starred tony braxton every day is christmas was shot in vancouver so yeah Mm -hmm. we call it hollywood north
1: (laughs) exactly so talk a little more about the films how did you get these films going how did it all happen for you
2: Oh, thank you for asking. And I hope this story inspires people because again, I didn't have those Hollywood connections or any fancy agents or managers. So as I was sharing when I was, you know, I would like to turn hardship into something positive. I couldn't travel. And so I thought, what am I going to do just sitting around for two weeks? And so when I wrote the screenplay, I tell people there's like really quick tips. They're like, how, how did you, without a manager, how did you even get it to Netflix? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I did is I went on IMDB, the you know international right. database. And I started researching all the Christmas movies that I liked best. And I actually, the first time I reached out, I reached out to Hallmark themselves, like one of the development people at Hallmark. And that's when I was told at the time, they were not producing their own movies, they were hiring production companies and buying the movies from them. Now they're producing their own. But at the time, this was like 2017, that they, they weren't. So they said, uh, you know, I remember they were like, do you have an agent? Where are you on IMDB? What have you done before? And we don't buy, you have to go through a production company. So that was rule number one. So then I went and looked at the production companies, found executive producers, a lot of people will not Talk to you because there's intellectual property and you know things people worry mm-hmm. about theft. But I just kept researching, and uh, also I knew to be smart enough, everyone has ideas. I knew I'd have to have what's called a spec script, so I wrote an entire script, and that means on speculation for free. Mm-hmm. So I had a script and I was ready to go, and I found producers, and I saw right away I was being gate kept like. Figuring an assistant was getting it and it wasn't getting through. So I, right. I kept Googling. I found a Gmail to somebody that was, you know, instead of so-and-so at production company, so-and-so I found the personal email and I, I was an investigative reporter. Remember guys, I mean, <laughs> how, this is not that hard. Uh, Google is my friend. So I sent, I remember I sent that and I'll never forget an email. I got back that said, not sure how this got to me. Cause this was the head guy. Not uh-huh. sure how this got to me, but this is exactly what I'm looking for. And I had a log line. That's it. I had a title yes. log line this is what I do, this is what I have, spec script, are you interested? And what I've learned is having a spec script is gold in Hollywood, because now I'm in the Writers Guild, I'm very proud to be in the Guild, you know, there's just over probably 10,000, you know, writers in America, and I actually joined the Canadian Writers Guild first, which is another story, Um, it's it's a fun story, so I'm actually in both Guilds, I'm very proud of that, and um, now, you know, things are, you know, it's different where You don't work for free. You don't, you know, there's Mm -hmm. all these rules because you're union. But when you're trying to break in, you want to have that spec script. And anyone, even if you're nobody, if producer thinks they can get a free script, meaning they don't have to pay you to write it, it's already written and they can see it, you can have a lot better chance. And so at that point, I actually thought I was selling this script to home. I remember it was not a Christmas Prince. It was a different story. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I need a royal story because he was doing a royal one every year for Hallmark. And he had just had the Royal one air the night before, one with Lacey Chabert, you know, it was fabulous, of course. And he said, do you have a Royal? And of course, what does any good journalist do? I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I can do that. (laughs) Sure, why not? And it was right about this time of year. And so I remember that I quickly wrote one and in the new year, it's like, here I am. And so then he was like, okay, so that's what they do is where they option it, where you sign a bunch of paperwork and they say they're gonna try to sell it. But the plan Mm -hmm. was Hallmark. That was the only game in town. So I thought it was going to Hallmark and it ended up on Netflix and because it was Netflix's first original Christmas movie, got a lot of attention and I had already wrote another one. I always tell people have another one ready, whether you're writing a freelance, if it's a book, an article or a movie, because mm-hmm. once that door opens, it can take 20 years for the door to open. But once it does, they're going to say, what else do you have? Right. You know, what else? so thank god i had christmas camp which ironically was written a bigger ensemble i thought a bigger budget so i wanted i thought it's going to go to netflix and it went to hallmark i'm like you, can, you know you can't make this up and then quickly at that same time i decided not to stay on and do the sequels because christmas prince has two sequels because i was writing lifetime um brought me in to write for tony braxton their star and all i knew is she wanted to be scrooge and then i had to come up with a whole story you know based on that and Harper Collins, I got a two-book deal um, or three-book deal because I wanted Christmas Camp, the Hallmark movie and book to come out at the same time. Now, I wrote the movie first, but I don't. now I'm on movie number two. And I'd seen how Hollywood changes your script. Yep. And I realized, mm-hmm. okay, ouch, um, unless I'm the director, I'm not going to have any say over what happens to the script. So if I love my story, I'm going to need to write the novel. That's the area I can have control. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wrote Christmas Camp, the movie, I wrote the novel. They were supposed to both come out at the same time and another ironic Canadian story here. So they're supposed to come out 2018. That's what the director, the actors, that's what we all thought. And it didn't come out. And we're like, where to go? What happened to the movie? The book came out, Mm -hmm. but it ended up the next year airing in July on the Hallmark Channel. But wait, it did come out. It didn't come out in the U.S. It came out that Christmas in Toronto in a movie theater. So another surprise. So first, my first movie is supposed to be Netflix. I mean, Hallmark ends up on Netflix. My second movie is supposed to air on Hallmark. It disappears. And I get a call from a Canadian friend in Toronto saying your movie's not a TV movie, but your movie is a theatrical release in a movie theater in Toronto. And I think there's reasons and licensing that are way above my pay grade of why that happened, but it was actually released as a, a movie. And that's why there's a DVD of it you can get where you can't do that you know, with the Hallmark movies. Hallmark, and yeah. so, and, and then it released in July, the following July as Hallmark's Christmas in July as they're featured. And then n- next thing you know, I had the Tony Braxton movie for Lifetime. Then the next year, 2019, Lifetime called me again and said, you know, we, we need something last minute. So that was Rediscovering Christmas. And we were ready to shoot the next Hallmark movie, 2020. And mm-hmm. that, of course, mm-hmm. that yeah. with <laughs> yeah. every. Exactly. But I kept writing the novels because I thought I'm going to write novels because I can turn them into movies and I can, you know, have my own intellectual property. Because you guys, if you see out there, I, like a third of these movies are pulled from novels like Bridgerton, you know, the Netflix hit. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me, but at least a quarter, 25% of Hallmark's movies come from books.
1: You know, and I would. so many out that. there. But do you ever feel like you'll run out of ideas? I mean, you're in a specific oh. genre. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you would no. say
2: that. I for sure no, thought. You'd... No, no. I mean, that's what's crazy. I mean, I just was yeah. talking to somebody about Karen, you know, are you gonna write Beyond Christmas? And of course, I actually have a romantic comedy that I was working on like six, seven years ago when romantic comedies disappeared. You know, a great like a Harry Met Sally pretty yeah. woman type where nobody was doing those type anymore. So it's a really fun one. It has a travel component, a travel writer, of course. Again, write what you mm-hmm. know. And besides that, but with Christmas, and that's how I got my Audible project. So so here's what happened. I have Christmas movies. I did like four Christmas movies and four novels in two and a half years. And I'm like, okay. Then Audible had reached out and I had heard they were starting to do rom-coms, especially 2020, right? When nobody was making, not nobody, but movies are very hard to make. So a lot of top movie people were leaning into Audible and doing audio stories, these full cast, these multi-cast where you have you know all these actors and so i was like pitching these non-christmas stories because i said oh no we're not we're not looking for a full cast christmas we're looking for something else and it's a good example too to tell people i think i pitched seven eight ideas and they're like no 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 (laughs) and i'm like "Hmm." and i remember asking um rose uh, who's executive editor she's been the most phenomenal partner to work with i'm like so tell me what is your favorite romantic comedy so i can kind of get in your head What exactly do you want? And she was so great and transparent. She said, you know what? Kind of know it when we see it. And we're going through a lot of changes. And and we're just not sure. I'm like, okay, but you know what? Some people would have given up, but I don't take anything personally. So it was right around this time again, you know, uh, last year. So sure enough, in the new year, I popped back in. Hi, I got seven new ideas, you know? And sure, she always took a look. And then in February, it was really close to her saying no again to the ideas and said, you know what? we need a cozy Christmas story. And your name came up, you know, and because of course, that's what I pitched to start. And so it was like, that's what happened. And now I was so excited. I had never written audio. And it is so hard, Catherine, because Mm -hmm. I lean into remember, I'm a TV girl. So I literally see video and I write to the video because I want you as my viewer to be drawn into the story. And so for the first time, I'm like, how do you even do a transition? how do you know that the person's goofy if you don't see the crazy Christmas sweater and see their goofy smile. And that's when I really started leaning in and again, did research and went all the way back to the BBC, you know, where they have some phenomenal audio stories and just trying to like research everything I could. And I did it like I had to, like when I do a news story, I research sound effects because, what people don't realize, and the one I did in a full cast, I I would write the crunching in the snow. I would write the door opening. I would write the plane taking off. So I wrote everything. Yeah, I, and I wrote it in a movie script, and and then it was fun because remember when you're when you're a writer on a movie in a feature, generally speaking, you have no say about casting. You know, right. it's not like a TV writer when you're a showrunner where you get to be the boss, you know? Nope, not in features. And so you're lucky if you know when time your your day or what network your movie's airing on, you know? So it's like, thank you, writer. Bye-bye, see you later. Now, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna take over and, and it goes on its new journey. But with Audible, they let me be involved and every, they knew I was curious and I really wanted to learn. So they let me be involved in every part. And when they started asking for a dream cast, I had just met Ryan Pavey, and he is a big Hallmark star. He just had his Christmas movie come out this last weekend, and you know he's has this really deep, like amazing mm-hmm. voice. And I, when I heard his voice, I immediately thought, "Oh my gosh!" You know that is one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. And so I got to pitch him. And I remember they said, "Okay, have him send an audio tape." And he didn't have one. He'd never done audio his whole life. You know, he's he was on General Hospital. You know, his whole life he's been told he should do audio too but I so I took I was like his he has agents and that but I was like because I was so passionate about him working on it and keep in mind I barely know him and we're not buddies we're not friends you know I met him briefly and I just was like okay, Ryan, I'm just going to take some clips. And he's doing movies going, yeah, yeah, whatever, probably crazy Karen girl, you know, whatever, girl. He didn't say that, but he might've been thinking it. But anyway, so I I found some interviews he had done and I spliced them together. And long and short, he ended up coming on board. It's hard to get movie stars because they're expensive. Um, But he he had a great attitude. He says, I've never done this. Love the script. Um, I want to learn just like I did and grow. And then I got so lucky. Brittany Presley is like one of the premier narrators in the audio book world. She has won what are called Audis, which are like our TV Emmys. So mm-hmm. she's amazing. So she's my star. And then we have a full cast, you know, on um, the story is just absolutely magical. It, it just came out December 1st. It's called Once Upon a Christmas Carol and the sidebar to this and people say are you going to write the movie and I say absolutely yes yeah. I the movie rights and book rights that was the reason because when I pitched audible they literally said do you have anything laying around like we have to move fast and I had when you said do you ever run out of ideas I had that as an idea and a, a movie producer loved it for a movie it was called the one page where it was a you had kind of outlined the whole story from beginning yes and she loved the movie. And, you know, then, then uh, COVID happened. And so I had already had the idea and, you know, really in my head, I had to kind of flip things around, but because I was picking Christmas carols, they were in the public domain, you know, that made it affordable. We're not trying to license Mariah Carey, you know, all I want. Right, for Christmas right. is you. And so, and then audible spoiled me because I said, we really need a pianist because even though the rights to these songs are in the public domain, which is really important when you're writing, if, if you're going to pitch a project, you know, or say as an actor's attached, you better have the permission to attach them and have the rights to them, you know, whatever you're doing, an image or a song. And then I said, but someone has to compose it. Someone has to actually play it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they brought in a world-class pianist and he's amazing. And so his name is Carl Belea. And then the, he's the pianist and composer. And then I got a violinist. I was inspired by uh, Lindsey Stirling because that song, Carol of the Bells, is really um, the featured in it. And there's a reason I picked that song was kind of my personal inspiration. And so she's a Catherine Fong, who is a violinist in uh, Once Upon a Christmas Carol. She has been with the New York Met Opera. I mean, hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the orchestra, she's like phenomenal. And the music is so important to the romance of this story right. because there's little lyrics of Christmas carols that are clues that uh, bring our singer songwriter who's in her 30s who's getting tossed off her label because they don't think she's young and hip enough on TikTok right she's only in her early 30s
1: I know I've just been I've just been listening to this particular audible book and all of these things just to hear the behind the scenes of what you're saying and bringing this in and that in but these characterized books are amazing they're they're I've heard so, not a lot, but they've been coming by me lately. But Karen, we are like rolling along and almost coming to the end of our conversation, which makes me feel regretful. But I've just put up on the screen, Christmas, Karen, this is what you're known as. And I can certainly, how did you, who gave you that name? I Thank you for asking. I love it. So true
2: story. I think the first time um, the NBC Today show even found the little clip, which is great. But my great aunt was born on Christmas Day. Her family's name was Day. And so there was a bunch of kids and the parents let the children name her. So they named her Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, middle name Christmas. And the last name was Day. So she's legally named Merry Christmas Day. And it was in Ripley's Believe It or Not. So I feel like I have Christmas, Karen. It's in my blood writing Christmas movies, Christmas novels, you know, and now also doing these audio projects. I love it. You guys, it's such a blessing. It's a big responsibility because this time of year, and you know, and now it's so fun, um, Pandora, which I know you don't get in Canada. and I, I know. know, I tried to get your song I know. And, and, like, ah. and I don't know if you get Sirius XM. I don't know if you get me Sirius XM. Yes. Okay, so it's I on too. Sirius yes. XM too. It's oh, on I'll Sirius XM. Okay. And what they did is they asked me to do a playlist of 15 songs that helped inspire the audible Once Upon a Christmas Carol and why I picked that. And I just have to tell you quickly, one example is the opening song that's very important that plays when our Bridgerton-esque narrator plays, which quick sidebar is me. I was cast and that wasn't a plan. Um, I was explaining what I wanted and the director heard me explain and said, why don't you do it? And so that's like a whole nother. I mean, I'm I'm a performer. It's not me as an author. It's actually, I'm playing a role. But Carol of the Bells is one of the most beautiful songs and it's actually a Ukrainian folk song. And I found out it was written in the early 1900s. And I was writing this last February when everything was going on and continues to go on in the Ukraine. And I thought, I know this sounds crazy, but, you know, as a former war correspondent, I thought maybe if I use this song and someone who's Ukrainian somewhere in the world hears this and it gives them hope, Mm -hmm. um, maybe that will help. So I think that we can all find little ways in our writing and little ways
1: to, you know, bring good and hope and and Mm -hmm. to give back. Well, you're giving me goosebumps and you're really preparing me for Christmas. I can't wait to watch more of the movies, but I know how busy you are. And thank you so much for joining me on the show. I hope to stay in touch with you and, and, and talk more things that maybe we can do to help people understand this wonderful world of Christmas.
2: Well, I love that. And Catherine, thank you for all you do and sharing our stories with your viewers. It means the world to us and everyone have happy
1: holidays and Merry Christmas. Yes, happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone. And thank you again, and thanks for joining and supporting Let's Get Writing. Bye now.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.